0: What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on modern day radio.
1: And welcome to this episode of You from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken. And joining me today is the man who never forgets an important holiday, even if we have to celebrate it on a different day, the good deacon, Scott Aiken.
2: Yeah, I thought it surprise you on the one day this week that I actually have a free evening. I've been teaching and taking classes and being responsible on my deacon side. And I thought, my gosh, I need to be responsible on my spousal side. I need to remember... The fact that we missed, because of Ash Wednesday, Valentine's Day, we missed going out for dinner. And so here we did it just last night. It was great, I thought.
1: I had a wonderful time. And it was exciting because it wasn't... Even mentioned that you were going to do this. I came home after just a regular day and you said, well, don't don't get changed. We're going to go out to eat in a few hours. And so it was a wonderful opportunity to get together. Took me to a nice steakhouse that we had never been to before. But I appreciate you being thoughtful that way. I am not always my best in making your ministry easy for you to do. And then there are times where there's nothing on the, the calendar and we're together every evening and, and it's wonderful. And then there are times where you are very much needed, and especially during this Lenten season, so much is happening at the parish. And well, I have to be more willing to offer up time because we know with your diaconate service, uh, it's not exactly an order of what comes first, second or third being you know me and the family your ministry as a deacon and your work that supports all of us but that there is a balancing act and there are times that one takes precedence over the other and well I recognize that you don't ever forget you proved me wrong time and time again and in the very best possible ways but something in the discussion happened yesterday that I also did my best to kind of mess it up but you accepted it so well You had worked very hard in getting a favorite thing that I think many wives or people would love to get in their homes, a new washer and dryer. It's all set up in the house. And you did it for me while I was at work. And then as we were sitting there enjoying ourselves, I said, well, I sure like that, but I want you to make a change and move one over. And so all of the hard work got transferred into a complaint. And it's real easy where I just thought, I was so happy to see it and I wanted to just kind of shift it a little bit. And what you heard was, I didn't like what you had done. It's amazing how quickly a conversation can turn and it's hard sometimes to get it back on track.
2: Yeah, well, I, I don't disagree with anything you said there, but I think you're right. It does get uh, lost in translation and communication. I know your intent was you're appreciative of Work I did. I guess you know when we when we put uh, a lot of effort into doing something. Which by the way, this new washer that we bought weighs (laughs) as much as me. This this was a big thing, and and I didn't have anybody help me. I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna follow some process, be very safe, but go ahead and and make some effort to try to bring this in. So I did. Actually, what really triggered it was that we were supposed to get our dishwasher fixed, and the dishwasher repairman (laughs) said I can't make it till next week had a family emergency. So I thought, what's the next best thing? Because I can't imagine your perspective of the fact that the dishwasher wasn't working and the washer and dryer hadn't been hooked up. So that's like taking all of the domestic components of the house offline. So I got up immediately, immediately. And and my <laughs> daughter who lives with us was surprised when I got up, I said, I've got, to, I've got to do something here. So I put the washer and dryer in there and it was a, a lift to get it in there. So I got it in position growling it into position and the first thing that <laughs> i heard you say is uh, it's in the wrong position
1: oh <laughs> uh, well, you I had feel, no idea i had no idea and i would never want to uh, you know Uh, criticize you in any sort of way because I did recognize how much work went into putting that together and boy when you say all those things put together uh, I would like our listeners to know I recognize I can be a handful at times you, you know maybe an armful to try to take care of but you just were so sweet and I'll say this too for our listeners when I got up in the very early early morning to get to the morning show I looked into the laundry room. And lo and behold, after I had gone to bed, well, you just shifted that laundry over. And uh, I'm so appreciative for all that you do for me, especially putting up for my little nitpicks. I don't mean to be that way. And yet somehow, well, those things happen and we go to the worst of it. And I just appreciate you for always putting forward your best effort. Well, that gets us to today's show, because coming up, I have a wonderful opportunity to talk with a priest here in the Archdiocese of Portland. He's pastor at St. Joseph the Worker, and he is part of a special order that, through some unusual circumstances, uh, ended up here and staying here in the Portland Archdiocese. His vocation, Scott, followed maybe a line that you would have been interested in. He started out as an equine vet, but God had different plans for him. And now he is a priest in the Archdiocese of Portland. We'll be talking to him next.
2: And then after that, we'll share a little bit about how our relationship and vocation evolved from a change that was similar to what Father went through and how that has formed our life to be what it is today.
1: So we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Stay with us.
0: You'd like to make your spring cleaning plans a little easier this year? Let Maitre Day Radio give you a hand. If you have a car, truck, van, RV, or boat that you would like to clear out, our vehicle donation program is just the answer. You can donate your vehicle to Maitre Day Radio and get a likely tax deduction in return. It's quick and easy, giving you a real jumpstart to your spring cleaning. Learn more about our vehicle donation program at MatredayRadio.com. It's Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken with their View from the Pew on Modern Day Radio.
1: We've talked many times on The Morning Show about God's path for our lives. When we think we're going in one direction, well, lo and behold, we turn the corner when the path looks completely different. And that was the case for today's guest, Father Niall O'Reardon is joining us today he is the pastor of saint joseph the worker catholic church here in portland and while he was on a journey as a veterinarian in ireland well when he turned the corner it was the seminary that waited before him good morning father niall thanks for joining us today tell our listeners a little bit about your upbringing and how your catholic faith was woven into your future as a veterinarian
3: Thank you, Brenda. Yes, my, I was born in Tipperary, County Tipperary in Ireland, and I grew up there at home with my parents. I have three brothers and one sister and uh, I suppose a typical Catholic family. We were uh, we prayed together. We went to mass together. Um, I wouldn't say we were the holiest family in the world, but <laughs> we but we lived our faith. Every one of us lived our faith. And my father was a veterinarian. And so I just fo- decided to follow his footsteps and to become a veterinarian as well.
1: Father Nile, in any of that time growing up, bef- while you were thinking about becoming a veterinarian, was there ever anything inside of you that ever thought, this is the goal that I am choosing? This is the career that I'm choosing, but yeah, perhaps God is pulling me towards him as well
3: yeah it's a very nice question it is true it it's even as a young boy i remember i had this feeling of becoming a priest but i suppose the way god planned it in my life that i decided to finish my you call it the a levels here high school and okay. then i went to study veterinary medicine in dublin and studied it for 5 years i had i loved every minute of it and but i still had this calling i always felt this this Called to become a priest, uh, it was always something that was inside me from a young age. Even I remember I had a girlfriend too for for six years. Her name was Maria, and too in that even with her, I, I under I understood maybe God is calling me in a different direction and not towards marriage. But oh. in that time, I was studying to be a veterinarian. I was working as a veterinarian, and. Yeah, I, it was always something that was in me. I often remember sometimes, I it sounds funny, but I remember even giving injections to a horse and I could hear something like, feel it inside me. It's like, why are you, what are you waiting for? You know?
1: So let's talk about the years, though, as you were a veterinarian. I think many people associate all creatures with St. Francis, his love for animals. Uh, do you find that? As being a veterinarian was also an outgrowth of, of faith, of, of caring for creation. And in your case, equines, big horses that like yeah, to run very fast.
3: They do. And I, yeah, I was very lucky in the jobs that I had. I started out working with all kinds of animals. And then for the last four years, so I worked seven years in total as a veterinarian. And then in the last four years, I concentrated mainly on racehorses. And so I was very lucky in the job that I had. I could work with the best veterinarians in the world from America to England because the horses were very expensive. So they brought them the veterinarians from all over the world for serious situations. And so I was very lucky like that. And one in particular, which I remember, was uh, a horse called Galileo. he's a very famous stallion that he was a very famous racehorse who became a stallion and then um, became the greatest stallion in the world. Wow. He, I remember he got very sick once upon a time in September of 98 or of 2008. And in that time, I remember I was given the responsibility to take care of him. And I was practically sleeping in the stable with him for three months until he got better. But I remember one day he had a surgery, a very important surgery. So we did a surgery. It didn't work. So we had to open him again and do a second surgery and. That's always not so good for a horse to do a, two surgeries in a few days. But I remember then I was spent the whole night, I was awake, taking care of him. And I went to mass at eight o'clock in the morning. And then I went into the sacristy and I said to the priest, um, his name was Father Michael. And I said, Father Michael, was there any chance you would come and bless Galileo? The horse was about to die. And then I remember the uh, father came in and he blessed him with holy water and all these top veterinarians from England and Ireland and from, from uh, America were standing there watching this, pr- this Catholic priest give a blessing to Galileo. But from that moment that he got the blessing um, and they all testified to this, he never looked back again and he was perfectly fine after this. And so this was another sign for me too, I suppose, God reminding me too the power of the priesthood because as a veterinarian, you can heal animals, but as a priest, you can heal souls. Oh. And that's the most beautiful part.
1: You're right. It is the most beautiful yeah. part. So, Father, then as you were you, again, you had mentioned that you felt that pull when you were younger to the priesthood, but followed in the family business uh, to become a veterinarian at what and, and then this trip to the Holy Land. So how did you then make that step from I'm I'm going to become a priest. I'm going to the seminary. What was the event that led to that?
3: It's a very interesting story, actually, Brenda, because, you, as you know, I'm now the pastor in St. Joseph the Worker, and I uh, have a great love for St. Joseph the Worker and our St. Joseph himself. And, you know, it happened. So I told you I had a girlfriend. Her name was Maria. Sure. And, you know, I, I'll tell you honestly. I found it very hard to finish the relationship with Maria. I knew God was calling me really to become a priest, but, I, but then I went. I, was, I had the opportunity to go and work in New Zealand for six months, which was really a dream of mine. And they needed a veterinarian down there uh, at short notice. So I got to work down there. And when I was down there, as I was leaving, my mother saw at the airport in County Cork when she left me off at the airport, she saw the fight and the struggle I was having, mm. and she gave me a book and the book was about different saints and so i was reading this book on the flight and i remember reading a story about saint joseph during the second world war in a convent you know and the sisters there in the convent they had no milk anymore uh, during the second world war so the mother superior called one of the nuns and she said to her write a note to saint joseph and so the sister wrote a note to saint joseph put it under the statue of saint joseph And then a few hours later, a man knocked on the door holding a cat in his hand. And then the mother superior, the the, the sister said to the man, but we don't need a cat. We need some milk. And he said, ah, I'll bring you some milk then. And then the mother superior called the nun and said to her, what did you write to St. Joseph? And she said, I drew a picture of a cat drinking milk from a bowl, you know. And it was from this, I I discovered this man, St. Joseph, who I didn't had no relationship with. And so then I wrote him a note and when I was in New Zealand in a place called Cambridge and the note could still be there to this day because I lifted up this big, heavy statue and put this note in and the note was, St Joseph, if it's your will that I become a priest, you have to finish it with Maria because I'm not able to do it. Mm. And then I did a novena for the first time. And at the end of the novena, two days after the novena finished, it was my birthday. And Maria called me from she was in Ireland. I was in New Zealand and she said to me, why are we not getting married? Are you thinking of becoming a priest? And I said, I am Maria. And then she said, good, then I let you be free. And so this was really the big step for me. And then, but I loved being a veterinarian so much, you know, I, I never got out of bed in the morning sad. I loved every, every drop of being a veterinarian. I loved being with the people and working. And then on the feast of St. Joseph, the 19th of March, I wrote a letter to my boss. And I told him that, um, John, I said, I'm thinking of becoming a priest. This is after now working for him for four years and working seven years as a veterinarian. I said, John, I'm thinking of becoming a priest and I need some time out. I'm going to go to Rome and see what it's like and live with this community that I love very much. And he, I handed him the letter and he, it was in the raining Ireland, typical Irish raining day on the feast of St. Joseph, and he said to me, he read the letter and he said, I support you all the way, but I think you're crazy. (laughs) And so that was the beginning. And then the following June of 2010, I ended up in Rome working or uh, living with the novices in Rome, became a novice.
1: Oh, such an incredible journey. And we are so blessed to have you here in the Archdiocese of Portland. Father Niall O'Riordan is joining us this morning, sharing the story about how he came as a veterinarian from Ireland and a priest here in Portland, Oregon. So father, you serve in so many ways, as you said previously, to the souls of those who you come across. Have you ever found that there was a time as a priest that you had to rely on your knowledge as a veterinarian to help anybody or any animal that maybe you had come across?
3: Yeah, so for five years after I was ordained, I worked in Slovakia with the Roma Gypsies in Slovakia. I lived in a village called Usovska Panica in Slovakia. And there I lived with Roma Gypsies and we had a little farm there. And um, yeah, often I would look at the animals because we had a farm, we had cows, we had horses, we had pigs, we had everything, cats and dogs. And yeah, often I would be called to look at something. You know, I remember some years, two years ago, exactly that once on Christmas Eve, I was cleaning the church up. We were preparing for Christmas Eve mass. And I got a call from a local man to say that his cow was having a calf. So down I came and we, with a bit of help from my father, I, because uh, I called him and I said, daddy, this cow is calving, but she's taking her time. I need your help. And so he said, do this and this. And then within an hour we had the calf out on the ground. and then, But then I went to the course and of course I had to take a shower and then we had to go and get the buses and drive the kids and collect the kids for, for Mass, uh, for the evening Mass, for the, for the Holy Night. And then I came back and of course we called the calf Noel, you know. Oh. And so th- we came back and Noel was standing up and drinking from his mom then that night, you know. But one thing I have to say too is this beautiful vocation how thankful I am that I made this step Brenda you know like I said my father was a veterinarian too and he died just before I came to America and he didn't actually want me to become a priest but he he was a he was a, a faithful man but he loved the fact that I was a veterinarian too just like he was but just before I left for America he, he was diagnosed some years back with cancer and it just shows the beauty of the difference of being a veterinarian, which is a beautiful vocation, to being a priest, you know. I I could be there at the moment that he died. I had mass just as I, I woke up in the middle of the night. I went to check on him. And there, you know, I remember if I was to ask him, are you glad now that I became a priest? I'm sure he would say, absolutely. You know? oh. But he because I could celebrate mass, I gave him the anointing, the last rites, and I gave him... Holy Communion for the last time. And even my last conversation the Saturday before my father was his last Holy Confession, you know, and this makes it all worthwhile for such souls. I didn't become a priest just for my father, but, you know, I've experienced this so often here in in Portland and my brother priests would testify to this too. They too have experienced this so often how bringing the sacraments to the people and then they go and have a beautiful death afterwards, mm-hmm. it makes it all. A veterinarian is a beautiful job, but a veterinarian couldn't do this. But a priest can do this and to take away the sins, to absolve the people from their sins, to bring them Holy Communion and all the sacraments. It's the greatest gift and the greatest vocation I could possibly ask for.
1: Well, Father, from my perspective, I can attest that the amount of compassion that a veterinarian would need to care for mm-hmm. just all of these lowly animals and then to turn that compassion into the care and love for a father as he dies to a community who needs you to the poor who, who don't understand why they suffer the way they do. It seems to be a perfect match in my eyes. Father Nile, thank you again for your time today. God bless you, all your parishioners there at St. Joseph the Worker. I had such a wonderful time talking with Father Nile and he came here in the studio and it was just wonderful because that beautiful Irish brogue that he speaks with just kind of you can't help but be lifted up from that. At the same time too I couldn't help but recognize that there were similarities in both of your vocations. Scott one of your very first jobs when you were still in high school was working for an equine vet, a horse vet. And you had a vocation, a certain idea, but when you looked turned around the corner, boy, God had different plans for you as well.
2: Yeah, I was fortunate to get a a job mucking stalls for an equine vet in uh, my sophomore year of high school. And I had read early on in junior high school, all Creatures Great and Small, which if, if you're listening to this, you've never heard of that series. It's just a phenomenal series uh, that speaks about a person who does veterinary work on farms. So I had this notion that that was what I was going to do. I was going to become a veterinarian. When I worked for this equine vet, I, I just loved the job. They actually let me get involved and, and help out with operations and helping the horses. So I really got a lot of experience. But it was during that time that I realized I had an allergy to cats and I went to the equine vet and I said, you know, I really want to do this job for the future. He goes, but you're allergic to cats. I said, yes, I am. He said, if you never, if you don't do small animal work, you'll never make it to the large animal work. So I just left dejected thinking, my gosh, what am I going to do God? And little did I know that my vocation would evolve a couple of times since that point here, I was thinking I was going to be a veterinarian. Well, clearly that wasn't going to be my track. Then I was going to enter into the priesthood. And I considered entering into the priesthood in my latter years of of high school. And that took a turn to be what we are today Through through that search and vocation to be a priest. I actually came to a place of recognizing that I wanted to be married. I wanted to raise a family. And I met you and my vocation took root uh, in my college years uh, as a married man. And so we got married when we made the move up to Humboldt County for my last years of college. And it was the best decision. God was with us, even though we couldn't maybe articulate it that way. So I just appreciated his story of what he had gone through to be where he's at in his vocation, because it is not clear cut. But what is clear cut is that God is with us through all of that discernment.
1: I think God is with you, maybe sometimes even a little bit extra in your guardian angel helping things out, especially when I have comment about the way that you live out that vocation and helping around the house and, <laughs> and providing for all of us. But yeah, it it is a wonderful vocation our marriage is. And I admit and and I say this with with real heart and meaning is that I know you would have been a wonderful priest. You would have served the people of God in every possible way. And I do not feel like I have done something wrong, that I have taken you from that vocation. Because now that we recognize nearly 35 years later, our vocation was to each other and to serve God through our marriage. However, You had another call, and of course, that led you to the diaconate. And as we talked about in the beginning, it has been such a wonderful experience for both you and I and for our kids. Really, I think it's just our oldest daughter who even remembers a time when you were not a deacon because all of the other ones were so young it's just always been such a beautiful part of our lives and it's a blessing even though as i said in the beginning sometimes i don't always have the generosity that i should because boy when you give to others the blessing that god bestows on us in every other way throughout our marriage is great
2: we've been working with the the new cohort of potential candidates for the diaconate here in the Southern Deanery of the Archdiocese of Seattle over this last year, you and I have been doing that. And and it's been just so enriching to see and remember what we take on when we do this, as Mother Teresa would say it, a call within a call. My first absolute vocational call is to marriage and to be a father and to, and to, to live in this married life that we have. But this, this call to be a deacon is a call within a call so i I always echo to my mind saint mother Teresa and her her perspective of that so we took this on with that notion that this is not going to be simple but it's going to be dependent dependent upon god and i'll tell you as you were just describing yes there's times that we are just well packed with Mm -hmm. time that i need to give to the diaconate but the blessing in return is so sweet and, and so uh, valuable for us to remember that this is enlivening our, our own faith, not only in our relationship as husband and wife, but in our kids' relationship and their awareness of their roles. The call within a call is is certainly uh, something that speaks deeply to me. But I'll say this, that in our formation, we, it was made clear that it is it is family, work, and the diaconate. God is obviously always first. But in the order of the, the temporal work that we do, it is family, work, the acronym. And it has to be in that that lineup. So I was thinking of that when we went on this this uh, Valentine's Day dinner, that I need to be recognizing my role and responsibility and, and connection of love to you present and here and now. So let's go out to dinner and celebrate that. And so we did in the, recognizing that order that without my family without the work to support my family the diaconate cannot survive mm-hmm. and so i have to root it in that
1: well rooted in our faith rooted in our commitment together boy if with god as our guide and our north star well we will always get to the destination he where he wants us to be scott before we go today will you end us in prayer
2: Lord, we thank you for the call that you have given each of us. And if we are still discerning that, may we have peace this week to trust that you will guide us where we need to go. Help us to continue to live into our vocations that we have been called into. And may we be blessed this Lenten season by knowing that you are with us. We ask all this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week because we're going to share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our View from the Pew. God bless and
2: lean into your Lenten
0: commitment. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Akins and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Radio in Portland, Oregon.